This week's podcast, he's back again. I'm really excited about Tony Wilson, the guy that helped me develop Nitrovol back in the Queensland Reds days, now founder and director of Performance Lab, which is about helping organizations, teams, and individuals perform at your best. And man, you're back here to talk about a really cool topic. Yeah, going to talk about suffering today and how we uh, get better at suffering. Getting better at suffering. Let's rip in. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. With me, Tony, Mr. Nitrovol, as we know him here, the man that, um, well, really, back in your him performance days at the Reds, you're too lazy to mix bit of creatine, a bit of glutamine and some carbs and proteins. So he said, let's make Nitrovol. And we did. And forever you will own that status here and we love it, mate. But you're, you're, you're all about helping people in a different way these days and you, you've kept that performance tag. And it's a really interesting topic you want to talk about today. Yeah, mate. I think, you know, if we think about our ability to persevere and whether that's physically, mentally and emotionally, I think, you know, from a sports point of view, we all understand that kind of physical perseverance and that, that kind of suffering. But there's also, you know, people are just coming out of, you know, hundreds of days of lockdown and there's that sort of suffering as well, yeah, right? it's been and, nasty, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if we can learn strategies to do that better, then it's going to help us in just about everything we do. And so you talk about learning strategies to do that better. Is this something we can realistically talk about on a podcast today and people are going to walk away feeling better about? Absolutely. And I think first and foremost, we think of people who are really good at suffering. We, we think they're kind of born with it. It is a skill like everything else. No one's born with it. The people who are good at it might just have luckily picked up some of these strategies when they were younger, either formally or informally. So they got good at it, but anyone can learn to do it really well. Nice. So mate, let's let's not muck around. Like, how do I get around my suffering? <laughs> I'm keen to know. I'm sitting on the end here holding the mic of two hands going, let's let's learn. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I think one of the first things we need to address is just our kind of our relationship with hard work and with suffering, right? And a lot of people are scared of it. Uh, I always say there's beauty beauty in suffering because it's it's one of the things it really allows us to find out who we are, right? It peels back the layers. And sometimes we we, we find that person and we, we're really happy with them and other times we're not. And the beauty of that is then we get to change that uh, if we want to. And so if we approach it like that, then all of a sudden our relationship with it changes. There's some really good research by a guy named Jan- Dan Chambliss. Uh, he wrote a paper called The Mundanity of Excellence. And it's just about how people who are excellent at what they do just tend to do small things really, really well. And they're kind of boring, but they do them over and over again. And he looked at these um, different classes of swimmers from social swimmers all the way through to he spent like a year with Michael Phelps's squad and he found one of the biggest difference in that top tier of athlete, he, he discovered kind of three things, but one of the big things was attitude. And it wasn't any attitude. It was attitude towards the really, really hard sets that they had to do. And while the social swimmers and your kind of state level swimmers, they'd front up to those sessions and think, oh man, here we go again and really dread those. But the really high level swimmers, our really elite athletes, they actually look forward to them. And so we can start to change our perception of those hard sessions and those hard things and look at them you know, as a way to improve as, as opposed to something that's really tough. And one of the things that he talks about is that this kind of notion of uh, being anxious or being excited or, you know, frustrated, a lot of that is actually the same physiology, right? So okay. we get an increase in adrenaline, our heart rate, blood pressure all go up, skin conductivity, all those things kind of increase. And so his point was, if all those things are the same, the only thing that changes is our perception. And one of the easiest ways that we can change that perception is change our language around it, right? Mate, I stalked you on Instagram. I see your uh, <laughs> Friday afternoon suffer sessions that you do with the boys. Yeah, we 
love it. <laughs> so, you know, so what the research tells us is our sub-elite athletes will look at that and go, oh, man, I'm really worried about this. I'm scared. This is going to hurt. Um, whereas our really top-level athletes will use different language. They'll say, I'm really excited about this, right? I'm excited to see how deep I can go or I'm excited to gotcha. see if this training's paid off. So just using that language starts to change our perception of it as well. And so how do we turn that round to everyday life now, like people in lockdown? I mean, you, you can't get up every day and say, oh, okay, I'm keen to see how lockdown goes today. I'm just going to make sure that I can dig a bit deeper. And how do we turn that round to everyday life. Yeah, I think the lesson there is is again finding the beauty in it. So so being able to kind of say, you know what, what am I learning about myself here? I know from my point of view, you know, 95% of my business evaporated within the space of about 4 hours when yeah, things got locked down, day. right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And mate, I really struggled with that as you can imagine, but it was a good opportunity to kind of go, you know what? I'm I'm really not happy with the way I'm handling this anxiety. What can I do about it? And so I then, you know, there's some some actions that I took to try to sort of change change the way I do business. But there was other things that I just learned to do, like, you know, just some journaling and stuff that helped me just deal with those emotions. And I think they're the sorts of things, if we look at it as an opportunity to grow as, as opposed to something that's, you know, really going to hurt us, um, then we find those those opportunities to improve. But also, you know, if we break it down, there's kind of five or six really good strategies that we can use as well. Mm -hmm. Do you want to get into them? Yeah, let's rip in. All right. So a couple you'll be let's really- Let's see if we can get number five without forgetting that we haven't done it. <laughs> I actually made notes so I would remember because <laughs> I tend to go off on a tangent and then I, I'll get in the car and drive home and go, oh man, we forgot number four and number three. Yeah. Um, and some of these, you know what, you'll you'll have heard before. Um, so you'll easily connect with them. Others you may not have. Some you'll have heard before, but you'll, I'll hopefully give you some different ways to apply them yeah. as well. So number one, really simple. A lot of people do this, just reconnect with your goals or your why, right? And this is a good strategy. So we, we need different strategies for different situations. This is a good strategy when maybe long-term motivation is waning. It's a good strategy when you've got a lot of time to think about getting through something. So, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to bed at night. I'm kind of sick of working out and I'm thinking, what am I doing this for? That's a good point at which I go back. I look at my goals. I make sure I have them written down somewhere so I yep. can kind of easily find them and easily review them. And that's usually something that'll sort of give me just enough motivation to start, you know, to, to get up and get back to that next session. So that's number one. It, it, it's pretty simple. <clears throat> Excuse me. So number two, again, most people understand this one, but it's really good to take this one kind of through its level. So we chunk things down, right? So we know long-term goals are really hard to pursue. When I talk about chunking goals down, people usually think, oh, okay, I'll set like a monthly goal and try to hit that or a quarterly goal or whatever it is. With suffering, what we find is the more I'm suffering, the smaller I need to chunk my goals down, right? Okay, yeah. So you think about uh, an ultra runner, right? Running a, a hundred miles and they probably start off going, I'm just going to get to this, you know, this aid station at 15K, right? Halfway through, they're going, I just need to knock over this next K. You know, three quarters of the way through, they're going, just get to that next big tree. And it eventually ends up as just put one foot in front of the other, Yeah. Okay. you know? And, you know, same with, if you read anything about the Navy SEALs going with Hell Week, just about every story of that ends up with, I just kept thinking, just get to breakfast or just get to lunch or whatever it is. And we can use that in a number of ways. So, you know, obviously when we're, if we've got a minute on the assault bike, we, that's an easy one. We can go, okay, just the next 10 seconds, the next 10 seconds. There's also things like if I'm struggling to get up and go to the gym in the morning, I can just say, just get out of bed, right? Yeah. I can just do the next thing. Just get out of bed. Just get your gear on. Just get your shoes on. 
just pick up your car keys. And what that does is it not only kind of allows us to break that down, but it gives us a, a little win along the way, right? And what we know is that, you know, there's a great saying, every win makes the next win more likely because we kind of build this momentum. If my win was getting up and getting to the gym and having a good workout, that's a really hard win to attain. But if it's just like, do the next thing, then I can do that really easily, you know? I love that. That's that's great advice. Yeah. yeah it is. And I think an, another way to chunk down um, in our in sort of really hard situations is to kind of say, okay, I know I'm Greg, I'm about to turn up to my, my Friday afternoon suffer fest, or I, I turn up to a Friday uh, ride with a bunch of blokes who are all like 25 years younger than me and completely rip my legs off, right? <laughs> so what you do is you go, okay, I know that in this session, I'm going to have to really dig deep maybe four times. There's going to be four times where I go, I'm going to want to quit, okay, and I need to get through all those four. Yeah. And you just kind of tick them off as you go, right? There's one, 10 minutes in, I just got through one, and then I've got the next one, and then I've got the next one. Sometimes you only get three instead of four, and that's like a win, right? Yeah. <laughs> because you kind of got through the session without that fourth one. But just ticking off those those little wins as you go is really, really important. All I'm hearing, man, is you never get on the front of the pack. <laughs> Yeah, I just sit on the back here and I enjoy the ride. I definitely choose my days. And actually, the back's really hard, so you've got to try and get in the middle. <laughs> That's cool. Taking a piece. Mate, another one, another really great strategy is having a mantra, right? Is now, this really important? I know you say it's a really good strategy and you don't hear a lot of people say that. These are, You hear the journaling and you hear those type of things, but you never yeah. hear people talking about the mantra. Yeah, and I'll tell you why it's really good. So if you think about this, anytime we get in a stressful situation, which is what suffering is, right? Whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, it's this stressful situation. Our number one driver of human behavior is just to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Yep. So when I get in that stressful situation, my emotional brain fires up and it sends me to a habitual autopilot behavior and that autopilot behavior is give up, right? Stop, make the pain stop. So if I'm trying to override that, my ability to override that is kind of depends on having really good strategies. But in the moment, it's hard to think of strategies. What a mantra does is it's something you've repeated so many times that it is an autopilot strategy. So in really high stress situations, you can just do it really easily and it helps, right? So, but there's two types of mantras that people use. So one is like an action mantra, which it might be, you know, just get it done or trust the process or push through or whatever it is. Yeah. But what is actually more effective is what we call self-concept mantras, right? So you might have a mantra that says, I don't quit or I don't know, I'm a good athlete or I'm a machine or whatever it is. You have this thing that you say about yourself. And the reason that's really effective is because we all have a self-concept, okay? So we all have these stories that we kind of tell ourselves about ourselves and some of them are really helpful and some of them are not so helpful, right? But they're all honed over years of our experience and things other people have told us and that sort of thing. If my self-concept is something unhelpful like um, I'm lazy, then I will live into that self-concept, right? So I wake up in the morning, I don't want to go to the gym, the alarm's going, I'm a lazy person. So what do I do? Turn the alarm off and I roll back over. But if I can start to change, if I take control of that story, that self-concept, and I say, you know what? I'm a machine, right? And I'll wake up and in my head, that's what I say, then what would I do? I don't switch the alarm off, right? And even if it's really, it doesn't make it easier, but if, it, if it's really hard, I have this thought that goes, do you know what? I'm a machine. And even though it's hard, I'm going to do it. Right. So if that. and if we get really good at telling ourselves that story, it replaces the other story and we start to live into that instead of living into that kind of negative story. So mate, you, you do a lot of consult corporate <clears throat> consulting. What's the best mantra you've had thrown back at you? <laughs> mate, there is a mate, there's a lot. I don't know if I could tell you what the best ones are. But you know what? Often the best ones are just just really simple, you know? And sometimes people get really embarrassed about saying really positive yeah, would, things about sure, themselves, yeah. but you don't yeah. have to say it out loud, you know. 
you know. Yeah. You just have it in your head. And the, the funny thing about human nature is that we we hate what we call cognitive dissonance. So we hate when our actions don't match up with, with what we think and feel. So by constantly saying that, my actions tend to start matching up with that as well. And then when my actions match up with it, I actually become that thing because I'm the result of my actions, right? Yep. So it becomes this kind of virtuous cycle. And that's one of the reasons that, that mantra piece is really, really valuable for us. I love it. I, I, every morning I get up and do my, you know, grateful, you know, three, three things I'm grateful for before as the feet hit the ground. And then I'm just like, okay, let's rip in. But that's, I say it to myself every day. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and I didn't actually know what I was doing, but I've just worked it out now. I've learned something today. <laughs> but you know what else that does? And, and, and what I like about this is, um, you know, I hear you say that all the time, right? And so, and what I like about it is regardless of what happens, you wake up, maybe you're feeling crappy, yeah. you know, maybe you don't feel like getting into it today, but let's rip in probably changes that, Does. you know, as soon as you say it. I was just working with a um, uh, really high level exec at Coles and uh, she was saying, she has this thing where people ask her to do impossible things, like just impossible. I could right? imagine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, I want you to, you know, take over this division of a thousand people and add it to the other 7,000. You've got to manage and do this. And she never says no. She just has this thing where she nods her head and she goes, okay. Yep. And and it's just like, that's her natural reaction. And I talked to her about it one day and she said, I don't even realize I do it, but I know why I do it. I do it because if I don't do that, I'll say no, right? And I don't want to say no. I at least want to entertain the idea. So my, so my, her mantra, if you like, it's not really a mantra, but her natural reaction to that, her autopilot reaction is, okay. I love know. it. Yeah. I, I think it's it. really good. Mate, <clears throat> since you brought it up, I'm just going to let everyone know that um, our powders are available at Coles too. You can get the Nitrovol, which you, you bought to market the plant protein and our whey protein. And yep, that's a cheap plug for get it at Coles, but hey, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> See, that is beautiful. Now you don't have to actually insert exactly. the ad yeah, in there. There's, there's just, not, what ad? Even play <laughs> I don't remember any ad. Coles, 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 Coles. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that, that's, an, that's an interesting mantra though, like to nod your head and okay, like that's yep. the, go, the, the go forward there because that's probably something that I would look at someone and go, okay, that person doesn't know how to delegate or that person, you know, there's a lot of things I could wrap around that from say Ash, our production manager here doing that. I'd probably go, okay, she didn't get what I said. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because well, that's a natural thing with me is um, people will often say yes to me and then walk away and go, can someone help me? What, what, what does he want me to do? <laughs> I suppose it'd be different though if Ash has a track record of just working it out. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. She says that, you look at her, you think, oh, I'm not sure you know how to do this. And this friend of mine, she doesn't know how to do it at the mm -hmm. time, but she just thinks, you know what, I'll work this out and Love get that. it done. Yeah. Ash is very similar too. I bet she is. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that number four? That was three. three. Number three. We got three Mantra. to go. Yeah, three to go. Nice. All right. The last three are a little bit more thinky. Okay. Right? So um, w one way we kind of, and, and this is a really good strategy for uh, those times where you know, I'm trying to eat really healthy, but I have that that impulse control, I have that pull to get, grab something, you know, some takeaway on the way home or whatever. And that is work out why you're doing what you're doing. And we call it replacing the need. And one of the reasons this is a good strategy is because it forces us to be curious about why we're choosing the behavior, right? And it's kind of a higher level strategy. You need to be able to do the others really well to be able to do this. And the reason that's good is because if you think about how our emotional brain works with our logic brain, if you like, um, those two things don't switch on at the same time. For some reason, we're hardwired so that one switches on and one switches off. And everyone knows this because you get emotional and you do stupid things, yeah. right? But it also works the other way around. If I can switch that analytical, logical brain on, my emotional brain starts to die down. So by being curious, it makes me ask these questions, right? And actually start analyzing which dulls that emotional brain down. But it also does this. So I'm, um, you know, think about it, it's the afternoon, it's that sort of three, four o'clock, and I go, you know what? I really feel like some junk. 
I'm sitting at the desk at work and I'm kind of low on sugar and I, my self-control isn't great and I think I really need some junk. So I, if I ask this question, why do I want junk food, right? Why do I feel like that? So my answers could be, uh, I just feel, I feel like I need energy or it could be, I've had a really crap day and I just want to feel good and that's why I'm doing it. And then I can ask, well, what would I replace that with? If I need energy, I could have a protein shake or I could grab banana. If I am feeling really ordinary about my day, what could I do that could make me feel good? I could go for a walk or I could talk to someone, you know, one of my friends or whatever. And so it gets you to kind of replace that behavior with a positive behavior. And like I said, it's a difficult one to kind of, you have to have a fair bit of self-control to stop and ask the question. But if you can do it, it's a really, really good way of replacing that behavior. So, Matt, a scenario here, you're mm. having a, like, you, you've, like you said, when um, first four hours of COVID, pretty much 80% of your business said, well, we can't have you come in the premise until we work out what a Teams meeting is or a Zoom meeting is. <laughs> we can, we're struggling. So how, how do you make, take that moment to pop? What make, what makes you stop and, and become curious? Like that, I think that was, that's the hardest part of what you're talking about here is yeah, that moment. Because once you become curious, you're in the zone. Yeah, yeah. How do we make ourselves acknowledge that we need to be curious? Yeah. Again, do you know what? I, th I think all of these, the more we practice them, the better we get at them. And sometimes to practice them, we need like a cue, right? Mm -hmm. And you might have, you know, your cue might be something that you have in your diary every day that just kind of reminds you of it. And that's one of the things that I had to go to for that situation of mine. So, you know, I spent the first couple of days not doing that at all. But then eventually I sat down and I thought, why am I so upset about this? Like, why is this affecting me? the way it is, you know, and there's all the normal things rattle off in your head, but then you start to dig a bit deeper and you think, okay, well, you know, how could I make this a bit of a positive? How can I sort of get around this? And what's interesting about that is positive action is one of those other things that tends to dull down your emotional brain, right? The the more, the quicker I can take action towards something positive, the, just the better I feel about it. So um, being able to ask those questions and do those things doesn't always, I do this for a living and it still gets me, right? Mm -hmm. And my emotional brain still flies out of control sometimes and I'll spend like at that point I spent two days just oh my god what am I going to do sort of thing you know so it takes you a couple of days you know even if you're really good at it sometimes depending on the level of of that sort of emotional stimulus but I think you know again writing for me writing really helps and I have different sort of journal prompts and one of my journal prompts is what am I going to do about and then I just leave it right and especially if I've got a really clear problem, then I can just write, what am I going to do about, you know, this COVID situation? Yeah, nice. And you just sit with it for a while. And you know what? You start writing things and maybe you write some negative things to just get them out, but then you end up writing some positive things as well. And that's the piece of reflection. And I think one of the things about journaling is people don't understand. People think they have to think and then write, but you actually write to think. Yeah, okay. Like that is the thinking. One of the reasons I never show my journal to anyone is because there's a lot of really crap stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's draft, right? Yep. The whole thing is me thinking, so it's draft. So, you know, if you can get over that and just start that writing process, again, that's a positive behavior that sometimes helps that thinking process. And you've got a journal, haven't you? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, you know, I think we spoke about this last time I created the focus planner, which, you know, part of it is just, you know, allowing us to focus on the things that matter every day, right? It's a really intentional decision to decide what's going to get my time, focus and effort I love today. That. I love yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And so it has some prompts for that every day. It has a little gratitude piece, which is always sort of good to fill out every day, but then it has some blank pages in the back. And I literally just every day, I do an exercise called morning pages. And it's just about, you just keep your pen moving across the paper for, you know, one or two pages and you just write whatever comes in your head. And like I said, a lot of it is just just absolute <laughs> drivel. But then every now and then you get something really, really kind of useful, you know. Nice. Now, mate, I understand like our proteins, you can't get that at Coles, so where do I get it? How's that for another product plug? I mean, I'm on fire today. Where can we get your 
Mate, if you go to focusplanner.com.au, yep. uh, you can get all our products there. Nice. I love it. So number five, this is in, this is really good information. Excellent. So number five is going this, – so this is a really good one for you. You're actually in the moment of suffering, right? So, you know, you're three Ks out from finishing a 10K or a marathon or whatever you are or, you know, again, you're on the assault bike or halfway through one of those really hard metabolic workouts. It's going internal instead of going external, right? And so the research – Internal instead of external. Yeah. So the research on this is probably 60-40. It's not completely – Inclusive, but my experience is that it's like 100%. So we know that in, in those really hard moments, elite athletes tend to go internal. So they focus in on the pain, right? They will look at internal cues. Like if I'm running, I'll just think about my technique, you know, and even really small things like how's my posture, how's my foot strike, uh, things like that. Whereas um, sub-elite slash amateur athletes will tend to go external. They'll try to distract themselves from it. So they'll be running along and they'll think, oh, I'll just take in the scenery or I'll listen to my music or whatever. So if we can go internal, we form a better relationship with that process, right? And the reality is that at some point that... If you really push yourself, that pain is too much to ignore. And it's at that point where normal people will give up, but our elite athletes will keep going because they have that relationship with it and they're used to going into it, you know. Again, it's a really kind of subtle difference. And if you take it outside of the athletic space, what they've found is if something's really boring, or maybe you could say in the athletic space. So if I went for a really long, slow run, then that externalization, being distracted is actually really good. But when it gets really intense and really hard, that's when I should go internal. And then, mate, the final one is taking the long term and bringing it short term and what i mean by that is humans are in are incredibly bad at sticking to long-term goals, right? <laughs> so again, we know we need to chunk them down. And part of it, that is our hardwiring. So every time we make a, a, a behavioral decision, we kind of make this decision between taking what we call a smaller sooner reward and a larger later reward, right? So, you know, I wake up and hit the snooze alarm and stay in bed. My smaller sooner reward is that I get to be comfortable and get a little more sleep. I get up and go to the gym. My larger later reward is that, you know, I'm a bit a, a month down the track. I live for 10 years longer, whatever it is. It's a massive reward, but it comes, you know, a long way down the track. Okay. Yep. You know, and psychologists say we make this decision between our present self and future self. So it's the same sort of thing. Now, unfortunately, we're actually hardwired so that the smaller sooner reward always looks more compelling than the larger later reward. Is that right? Yeah, right. So think about, you know, that four million year old software that we run on. Uh, a four million year old primate, if I'm uh, offered like <laughs> a, a few apples or a seeds to plant an apple tree, I'm probably going to take, take the, the apples. apples right? yeah. So those smaller sooner rewards like seem really, really compelling to us. So, you know, again, we think about things like, you know, chunking down goals so they're, they're more short, short term. But one of the easiest things we can do is, you know, you wake up and you're about to hit the snooze alarm and you just think, you know what, I always feel really, really good after the workout. Like bring it closer, right? Remember what it feels like. Or the alternative, which is, you know, every time I sleep in, I wake up later and I feel really, really bad about it. You know, I feel really stupid. I always say I should have gone. So we can bring either those consequences or rewards closer and put them in the present, then all of a sudden that helps us dramatically. <clears throat> Love it. You know, when you, when you say it, it makes complete sense, doesn't it? And you think he's just absolutely schooled me in um, – and you understand your theories, but when you sit back and you go, yeah, that makes total sense. That, that makes total sense too. It's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? This, yeah. this <clears throat> place you're talking, I mean, I mean, the, the topic here is suffering, which is, you know, there's no shortage of that with COVID these days, but it's, 
interesting that, you know, we're not launching rockets here, are we? We're, we're talking <clears throat> about things that we can do ourselves today, starting today. Absolutely. And you know what? For everyone listening, you've probably used these strategies before, right? You've probably used them when you felt like you really, really had to and you discovered them. But the problem is then we don't remember what they are and we don't remember that they really worked and we don't go, okay, I know that works. So I'm going to keep using it. And, and, you know, and that makes it really hard. And one of the, if I could give you, like I can tell you the strategies, but I'll, I'll tell you kind of the master strategy, right? Yep. The master strategy is understanding, preempting when that suffering is going to come and deciding what strategy you are going to use yeah, ahead nice. of time, right? Yeah. So we call this a prior strategy. Interestingly, the, the, a lot of the research on this is around sticking to diets, right? So if you get two groups of people and they're all trying to eat really healthy, healthily, whatever, whichever one I say. The good stuff. Yeah, they're all <laughs> trying to eat good. Um, so if you get these two groups of people and you just leave one and go, here you go, you know, try and eat healthy all day, you know, for 14 days or whatever. And you take another group and you say, all right, when is the time that you think you're really going to struggle with this? And they all go, oh, like three o'clock in the afternoon when yeah. I'm getting bored and kind of tired and my self-control isn't good and I'm sitting at work next to the- uh, you know, the charity chocolate box with the giant caramello koalas. Only $2. Oh, and you even feel good because you're donating, right? You're like, I'm, I'm actually doing a good I'm thing helping, by eating this I'm caramello koala. <laughs> So if you say to people, you know, when are you going to struggle? They say like three o'clock, this is what happens. And you go, okay, so what are you going to do when that happens? And people go, well, okay, well, let me think about this. I'm going to pull out my goals and think about them or, I'm, you know, I'm going to have some healthy food close by that I'm going to eat instead or I'm going to work out why I want to do this and I'm going to replace that with something else. So if you get people to do that, they are three times as likely to stick to Three that. times, is that right? Yeah, wow. 300% more likely to be able to push through that and stick with those goals. Just from in their head already knowing when it's going to hurt like when they're going to suffer and then what they're going to do about it. And stepping backwards, is that is that part of you mentioned earlier um, about the journaling and setting times to think about these concepts? And is that really important to this process? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, you know, going back to the start, that's where we where we discover things about ourselves, right? And then decide if we like them or not. If I front up to this session every Friday and I'm I'm quitting halfway through, I get, I get the chance to say, you know what? Quitting? Like, that's terrible. I yeah. should be able to get through that. You know, I thought I was a bit tougher than that. What can I do about it? Now I can sit down and plan those strategies. But it could be the same for, you know, you can apply it to anything. Maybe I get into meetings and I leave those meetings having not contributed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, There's stuff that I really wanted to say and I didn't get it out. Or, you, know, you can sort of apply it to just about anything. Or I get home in the afternoon, I blow up at my kids because I've had a really hard day. You know, we can think about all those things and go, okay, when are those moments where I go off the rails and what can I do? And again, that comes back to if I've thought of the strategy beforehand, I don't have to think about it on the spot. If that thinking, that logic brain isn't working that well under stress, then I should have something that I've rehearsed so many times or at least thought about enough so that I can kind of push through it. And from a coaching perspective, if you were working with me on three o'clock binge eating that sets <laughs> yeah. up the afternoon, how, how often would you have me training for that? Every day. Every day? Every time you get the opportunity. Obviously, the more we do it, the better we get, right? So I'd be asking you every day to think about, okay, when's that going to happen today and what can you do about it? And it might be slightly different every day. You might be going, uh, it might be Friday and you might be going out to lunch. So you know the problem is you're going to get there and you're going to go to order off the menu. So what are you going to do about it? Maybe you're going to check the menu out ahead of time and you know exactly what you're going to order because that's the healthiest thing yeah. on the menu that, you know, that looks half decent. So, you know, you, you can have different strategies for that, but it's all about understanding that. I was just talking to a uh, an athlete the other day. It was really funny because um, I said, you know, we get to those points and that 
sort of emotional brain starts telling you stories where, you know, and- It's a good storyteller Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it makes it okay to give up, <laughs> you know? And I said, you know, when you're in that race and like you're coming third and you see two people in front of you and you start go- saying to yourself, third's pretty good. Like, it's pretty good. And I'm only young and those blokes were older than me. So, like, to come third at nationals is actually- re- And he just started- It's in the smile on his face. Yeah. He just goes, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about, you know? It was so- It was such a relevant story for him. He just- It, it happened like a hundred times already because we because we were talking about what are the stories when do they come in and what do you say to combat them and i think that's really really important if anyone you know and it's again it's that kind of it's our it's our almost like our master strategy for being able to push through those 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 times where we are challenged physically mentally or emotionally and we find it really uncomfortable mate that's awesome so if anyone's out there is looking to you do one-on-one mentoring as well as corporate certainly do yeah how do we get in contact with you uh website is performancelab.com.au so you can just reach out there, um, Instagram, T-Bone Wilson 1. I love that. I love that Instagram account. <laughs> you know, I, I worked for, uh, um, I was working for a baseball team and we had an American coach and there were like four Tonys on the coaching staff for some reason. <laughs> and so we all just got a T name, yeah. T-Dog and T-Bone and T-Bird, and, you love know, it. so love I ended up with T-Bone. Yeah, that's gold. Mate, thanks for coming on again. It was, it's always great talking with you and yeah, I, I know I go on about the nitrovol part but that it's still a product today it's it blows me away that it's um it's our most popular athlete product by mile that's great mate and I, i'm glad you got the story right today because the story actually is that i was too lazy it wasn't that i oh, well, was clever yeah. enough to think of i it. hadn't seen you for a while so i was being nice the first time but <laughs> i was actually i was actually caught up with dirk spitz the other day and we were talking oh, really? we were talking about stuff and I said I'd caught up with you and I just went through the story with him and he'd heard the story before he goes, yeah, lazy bastard. (laughs) (laughs) But he's grateful because he now doesn't have to... Yeah, yeah. Cart round yeah. boxes and boxes. See, I told you. Everyone's about seek pleasure and avoid pain. Yeah. I just didn't want to have to carry around more stuff. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Thanks for coming on, mate. That was awesome. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. 